Hey everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the Relatable Real Estate Podcast. We're two young realtors that talk everything Vancouver real estate while keeping it relatable. Well, today we have a very special guest. He's a licensed realtor for the TK Group. He lifts crazy amounts of weights in the gym. I know that because we work out together every morning. And most importantly, it was his birthday yesterday. Mr. Harrison Shirley, how's it going, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Thank you very much for having me today. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure, man. I know we've talked about this for a while. Like I said, we work out every morning. I know it's we, been too long. <laughs> I know we we talk about real estate every day. Sometimes you know we can't even finish our workouts because we're talking about real estate. So oh, I think you're the perfect guest for the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. No worries, man. Yeah. So I think uh, let's just start here. Uh, the yeah. first question I actually have for you is that you currently have a listing in Langley. I do. Yes. Uh, how's that going? I know that the market well. has changed a little bit for sellers, but how's that going? Man, we've had over 30 showings on it already. And, really? and this market is just like going back to back. Like our first open house, I think we had about 12 groups through. And it's crazy because everyone's like, oh my God, the market's going to crash on the big picture for the new side. And then you come into the real estate world and everything's still going like nothing. And yeah. like people are still coming through open houses. We're still getting lots of traffic through the property. Uh, the only thing that has really slowed down is the time of offers. Um, right. A lot of people are just taking a little more time because they actually have the time to go and look, view the properties, see what they like, see what they don't like, actually be able to decipher everything and actually take time to review the documents too. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, you know, it's crazy that you say 30 showings there. I mean, I know it's a great property. You showed it to me. I saw your video. You have great marketing, sir. So uh, I'm sure it's going to sell. And uh, man, you know, just tell a little bit about your background. Like, how did you start with real estate? Man, I actually had an interesting story. Um, so I came back from two months of traveling Europe completely solo. Nice. Um, and I got an opportunity. So I sat down with one of my dad's good friends from high school. Um, he started Pilot House Real Estate. Okay. Um, and he created his marketing company that kind of markets different development products. So I sat down with him. We had a very constructive conversation <laughs> nice. <at least>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um i he gave me an opportunity so i started off in the sales and marketing of the sophia project on down in port moody there okay and then i got a chance to go work on just west and then after just west we ended up moving to a project in north van um then after that i realized okay the housing market I guess COVID happened, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just like, okay, time to go get my actual license. Because I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you can actually sell pre-sales without actually being licensed mm. uh, because you're covered under the Real Estate Development Marketing Act. Oh, interesting. So because if you're working directly through the developer itself, you can actually sell their product. Okay. Um, so, so I guess I'm, I'm assuming you're like covered with insurance from the developer and all of that, right? Yeah. So like if you're halfway like working with the marketing company or the development itself, you can actually sell their product. So okay. not a lot of people actually have their license to sell there, uh, which a lot of people are kind of confused on. Um, but I went from that to grabbing my license and dipping into the residential market. And they kind of kept going till here I am today. <laughs> yeah, that's sick, man. I mean, you know, I, I think we talked actually our last episode that was released, probably not the one that's coming uh, live now, but we talked about pre-sales and, yeah. you know, we always talk about how that's such a great option for first-time home buyers. Mm -hmm. Did you end up working with a lot of first-time home buyers when you work with pre-sales? Absolutely. Uh, you, you work with people all across the board. A lot of people are like, okay, we've been working, we've been already living in detaches, but let's just downsize. We can actually get a brand new property. We can wait until it's built and then sell our property in, later on in life. 
Right. It's just like, even if you're buying a property that's like two or three years down the road, you can still live in your property. All you need is a down deposit and just sell and move into it right away. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I mean, the deposit thing, of course, that's, you know, we talked always about this. Mm -hmm. It's it's a good option for first-time home buyers, but also if you're downsizing, right? I mean, you know, a lot of people still need some time to kind of sell their place too, yeah. right? So I think pre-sales are pretty flexible that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so you said that you don't really need a license, right? No. So how is uh, the training? Like, how do you get to sell real estate with, like, without having a license? I'm assuming the developers train you very well. So it's actually different. So okay. how I started was I actually coordinated the sales and marketing. And then okay. from that, you're like halfway on the floor. Um, say, for example, if the realtor gets busy and then she, he or she could halfway train you too. Okay. And then after that side, you kind of naturally progress into being on the sales floor. Okay. Um, but it's just like the biggest thing is actually getting to know how the process works, right. the disclosure statements, everything else, and then the contract as well. And then after you're able to actually understand a project and understand the development itself, then it's like, okay, you can actually just start moving and expanding and growing from there. Right. Um, so it's like when I did it, it was just like you walk in, you ultimately, you know, nothing. Right. You, you think you do, but you know nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it's just like, you just, uh, you keep, uh, then it's just like every single day you learn something new. Um, you learn different parts of development, like everything can be actually negotiated. Right. From down to floor plan, deposit structure, when you give the deposit for one, um, color schemes, everything. Right. So when it, when it comes down to it, like everything changes 24 seven, but it was just like learning that you can actually negotiate all that. And then it's just like, okay, how do I extend that to building my own side? Right. No, that's, that's super interesting. I mean, you know, you kind of have like an insider view from uh, pre-sales, which is super interesting because we deal with it quite often, mm -hmm. but we don't know the details of the, the operation. Right. So yeah. I think for you, that would be probably great uh, when you transition into being a, a, an actual like realtor like an independent mm -hmm. realtor without a marketing company yeah uh so how was that jump you said it was during covid like what happened i think kate and i also have a similar story i yeah. mean of course we didn't come from uh working with pre-sales but we also changed kind of our job paths during covid mm. so uh how was that jump like why did you make that jump well my jump was kind of interesting um like just jumping over from pre-sale to resale it was just like okay everything shut down like i was working in a sales center downtown and it was just like you're working there from like saturday through to thursday and then friday's your only day off right um so then it was just like everything shut down with covid we launched a project literally less than two weeks later shut down wow so i'm just like okay i was out of job <laughs> to yeah. say the least and i was just like how do i keep moving forward so I ended up just signing up for the real estate licensing course and then just going into the residential side and got it six months later. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think, you know, COVID was definitely a hard time, mm -hmm. but I'm sure too, I mean, having that experience, did that help you with the exam? I know that the exam, you know, for me, like I worked as an assistant here yeah. and it kind of helped me in some ways, of course, not everything, yeah. but did that help you like some of the experience that you had? As much as I like to say yes, the real estate, the course itself, it teaches you so much, yeah. but until you actually get into the business, you don't know anything and yeah. it doesn't really teach you much right. because it can only teach you the bare basics of how to protect yourself, the lawyer side, um, maybe some more like the analytical side with like the mortgages and everything else they teach you the very basic of the real estate right but it was just like when you actually get into the when you actually get into selling you're just like you can be held 
in a, and you can basically go to court and you're supposed to know everything inside out and backwards. Right. And it's just like, how are you supposed to know that? <laughs> and like, yeah. when, I, when I first did it, it was just like, okay, I had some experience on the pre-sale side, but right. it was just like, it was not enough for the residential, everything else. Like right. I knew the development and kind of knew had a general grasp of the development side. Right. But handing that off to the residential side, that's going to be your, most of your course itself. Right. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, has it helped any way with like pre-sales now? Like, have you, have you found like yourself going into sales center and kind of having some connections and all of that? Absolutely. Like having those connections are huge. Like everyone likes right. to say, like when you, whenever you see a project launch, it's probably one of the hardest times to get in because right. everyone's wanting to get in. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, say for example, if you have a connection, you could actually just be like, Hey, like, um, can you help me get a few clients in? Like I have a couple clients. If they're serious, then you can kind of get in with that. But mm -hmm. it was just like, when it comes down to it, a lot of people like stress, Oh my God, I have VIP access. And it's just like, when you come to a market like this, where everything's slowed, you don't, you don't really need it. Right. And it's like, it's only in like the super fast, hot and heavy markets. Right. Like if you think about it like this, for a market that has kind of slowed down, people are trying to get sales no matter what. True. Every realtor is halfway struggling. That's it true. Was like, even like in the business right now, and that's just the honest truth. Right. Everything slows down. It's just like if you can keep moving forward and keep pushing, that's going to be your game changer for moving forward. Right. No, that's that's super interesting. That's completely true, right? I mean, you heard a lot about VIP access last year, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, do you really have VIP access? I feel like you guys, uh, you know, the, the term is thrown around quite often, Yeah. but I think you probably know what VIP access really means, right? <laughs> well, like VIP access is thrown around every single day. You could have VIP access if you literally just hold in their feature sheet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, I've literally talked to the, the sales manager once here yeah. and it's just like, I have VIP access. And I was just like, you don't ultimately, yeah. because say for example, if someone just came in, they brought you in higher offer, they're just going to take that. Yeah. Or it's just like, cause if you think about it from this way, developers want to sell no matter what. Right. So it's just like they, if they know you, you've built a relationship, you've already sold a bunch of their, a bunch of their product before nine times out of 10, they're going to go straight for you. Right. So like, and like, if you already built, if you already have that relationship set with them, then it's just like, okay, I can help you out in the long run. Yeah. No, so, that's cool. Yeah. Have you guys, you know, like when you're working at a, a pre-sale before, have you seen anything that, you know, kind of helped people get the first time access. I know you said, you know, a lot of the times it's realtors that have sold their product before mm -hmm. and they're probably, you know, have quite a few clients, yeah. but is there like any tips or anything that like as a realtor you can do to get that VIP access for your clients? Keep selling. Keep selling, right? <laughs> that's going to be your honest, like that's going to be the honest thing. Mm -hmm. Like um, the biggest thing is actually like just meeting all the sales managers because right. the pre-sale market is such a small niche. Not a lot of people go into the pre-sale side. Right. So say for example, like, and a lot of it's done through marketing companies itself. Mm -hmm. um, so how like a pre-sale works is like, it's either the developer can market it and sell their own units like Concord and everything else, right. all the big guys, or you can take like a little, or you can take a marketing company where the developer just basically levies it out. They pay for it. They pay for all the marketing. They, they send it to these guys and the marketing company just does everything. Right. So there's like places like key pilot host who I used to work with Magnum, everything. They do all that. Right. So when it comes to the new development side, if you're working strictly for a developer, say for example, like lead Mac, that's doing, um, that huge project in Coquitlam. Right. Um, or like the big, um, 
the project just down here on Lougheed. Yeah, like city the, of Lougheed there? The city of Lougheed project. Yeah. They don't really need to because they can just market it and sell their own side. Right. And that's so interesting. I mean, the differences between big developers and small developers, mm -hmm. like what, what would you say is like, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you work with kind of both. What would you say is like the main difference between the small developers and uh, big developers when it comes to, you know, marketing their projects and, and all of that? I find it hilarious and it's <laughs> and it's super cute at the same time. Smaller developers, I think, do it based on their family. Okay. So I don't know if you know this. So like 50 electric, how that was actually bought and sold. It's a little family. It's like basically just a family developer. Okay. So it's like literally their whole entire family that did that. Though Sophia right across the street in Port Moody, it's literally named after the developer's daughter. And oh, it's just like, same with just West, that developer has, it's basically named after their family. And it's just so, and like, I've always found the smaller developers, they do it so elegantly and they map out their floor plans beautifully mm. because like um it's like literally for them it's for their family so a lot of the times they'll actually move into it as well that's super interesting yeah i mean that's always a question that we get like from clients mm -hmm. is that you know of course they know the name brands right like mosaic polygon concord mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of the times you know they might think that's a, a better product yep. maybe because of the brand is more uh, uh well known of course. but at the same time i feel like you know these smaller developers also care more about the projects because you know they don't have 20 other projects going on that's like the one project that they focus on is that true kind of Halfway, yes. Yeah. So, like, say, for example, you've already built your own business, you've already established everything, then it's just like, okay, now you're starting to develop it more. Right. And then it's just like you have so much plots of land that it's just like you're just kind of going after the development side, you're building as many units as you possibly can. Right. A lot of the units are generally smaller floor plans, and it's just like you're fitting everything in at once. And it's just like, okay, you see it from that side, and then it's like you see more one bedrooms and two than anything else because of those are the ones that sell more. Right. So like, if you look at it from this side, the smaller developments, they're gonna have more larger floor plans and everything else. Right. So like, if you, if you look at like the townhome side, a lot of the times they'll have like really nice floor plans. They're like generally a little bigger, but now it's like everything's being built so much smaller to try to fit everything in. Right. Cause that's more of the high density side. Right. No, th yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming if you're a bigger developer, you know, you care more about, you know, more units being built so you can sell more and make more money. Yeah. Um, maybe then what you're trying to say is, uh, you know, smaller developers, I guess, care more about, you know, having a nicer floor plan, right? More like livable spaces, because like you said, sometimes too, they are building for them to live in or their families to live in, right? Of course. A lot of the times, like it's either built for families. Um, some of them are built for investment as it depends on the projects that you're going into. Yeah. And then it's just like some of them are built like very thoughtfully laid out and it's just like very much for them as well. That's super interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in terms of clauses here, mm -hmm. uh, something that we saw, you know, in the recent develop uh, development, <laughs> almost didn't come out there, um, is you know, a clause that was kind of sketchy for mm -hmm. many buyers. I'm sure you've, uh, you've heard of it. Uh, that basically said that, you know, uh, if the prices of construction went up, they could also increase the final price, even after, you know, it was a firm deal. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I, I know that, you know, it's a very specific uh, developer. I, I know that maybe a few did it, mm -hmm. but you don't see that very often. Definitely. But, you know, what is, um, you know, some of your insights? Have you guys, like, ever, have you ever seen, like, anything like that before? Like, what is something that, you know, maybe you guys talk in a meeting, like, 
in the development uh, side of it, like that kind of comes to that decision. I haven't really been a part of that side. Right. So like whenever it comes down to it, the developer will literally do their own thing. Think about it this way. It's their project. The disclosure statement basically says what you can and can't do. True. And like that's the honest truth of the fact. Right. And it's their product until it transfers over into your name. Right. So it's like when it comes down to it, the biggest thing is for purchasers and everything else is reading through that with a fine tooth comb. Because right. if you do find that, then it's just like, okay, this project isn't worth my time. Let's go to the next. And it's just like, if you, the biggest thing is like protecting yourself at the same time. Like, even though you do get this two, five and 10 warranty, your disclosure statement will basically have everything in itself. Right. Um, so it's just like, it's always protecting yourself. And after you do that, it's like everything else works out. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very important to read everything and, you know, be aware of these things because they do uh, happen and they are out there. Mm -hmm. So like, um, you know, we always talk, Kate and I, uh, about the importance of having a realtor. Absolutely. What is the importance of having a realtor in that case then with a pre-sale, with a disclosure statement and, and things like that? The biggest thing of having a realtor is realtors talk. Right. So like if you're going in purchasing something by yourself, you probably don't know about the negotiation side right. and like you don't know that realtors actually talk in the backside. So we're constantly in the office, we're constantly talking to each other and we constantly hear different things about different projects. Everyone has different people going into different things and everyone reads through the, the disclosure statement. Our job is to keep people safe and that's the honest truth. Right. Um, so it's just like when you're going into it by yourself, you don't know everything that might be able to be, might be going on the back end. Right. And you don't know all the connections that some people may have. Right. And when it comes down to it, the developer, they're protecting themselves and they're protecting them, their own needs. So you're us as realtors, we have a disclosure. We basically, it's our due diligence and our fiduciary duties to help you as our client and actually protect you. Right. Um, if you're a developer, you're free or like the sales guys in there, their fiduciary duties to them developer and not you as the client right so they're protecting themselves and they can actually say whatever the hell they want at the end of the day absolutely <laughs> and you're kind of left there hung out to dry random purchase pricing and everything else absolutely yeah no i think what you said about you know we the realtors talk mm -hmm. i think that's so true because you know we have group chats right even with you know sometimes other brokerages too with you know pre-sales and all that yeah so i think you know just having a realtor out there to protect you and again mm -hmm. like you said we have a fiduciary duty to act in your best interest. Yeah. Uh, I think that's essential, right? Uh, mm. I mean, we've seen actually uh, a little backstory here. We've seen a client of ours that, you know, end up buying without a realtor in one of these developments. Mm -hmm. And that clause was present and it wasn't crossed out because she didn't have a realtor. She didn't really know what he meant, right? Some of the words can be very complicated. Yep. And now, I mean, they're kind of stuck with the, you know, with something that could be potentially, you know, uh, damaging for their financial situation, right? So of course. Uh, I think that's that's super cool that you said that, yeah. The other side of that, it's a huge financial purchase. Right. So I mean, like, if you're going out there without the knowledge of everything, right, and without having someone in your back end as well, like every single, I always like to say this, every single realtor has a different personality. And whoever you collect, connect with most, if like, if it works well, then why don't you use them? Right. And it's free, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we get paid out through the seller. So it's just like, we like, we're completely free to use our client. A hundred percent. So it's almost a no brainer at the end of the day. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think uh, another question that I had here, 
uh, is with the current market, you know, uh, and you worked in pre-sales, so you, you have a little bit more, um, you know, experience than that. Um, but you know, what what would you say is the best bet for? You know, we usually talk about first-time home buyers here, mm-hmm. but what is your, you know, what do you see going forward? Pre-sales, resales. Um, what's your overall opinion? I like to say it depends on your situation, because that's a very open-ended question. Right. Um, the reason why is because if you think about it this way. Say, for example, if you're looking, you need to be able to buy in a place and move into it, say, in a couple of months. Right. Then it'd be easier to just go into the resale market and do it that side. But say, for example, you, you're you too scared, you don't know what's going on, right. you're willing to wait a couple of years, so then you're, you just, you, you actually have that flexibility to wait. I think, and you're way too scared, there's, you're too uncertain about the market itself. You can basically just put your deposit down. Your mortgage doesn't come in until two or six years down the road. Right. And then it's just like, okay, take the equity on the property because everything rises within five years. Right. <laughs> As we've seen from the Vancouver market. Exactly. And then it's like, you can basically just build off that side. So if you're too scared to purchase something in today's market and you don't know what's going on, you can basically just only put down a deposit and wait till your mortgage comes into play two to six years down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that's, you know, we kind of share the same opinion there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are scared about the current interest rates, right? They don't know what's going on. Um, you know, sometimes people are just not super familiar with the, uh, a certain mm-hmm. uh, financial uh, and investment point of view, right? And uh, so I think they, they would prefer to be safer and, uh, you know, maybe put just a deposit down, right? Wait a few years and then they qualify for mortgage when the interest rates are hopefully lower. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, that's a good bet for sure. Of course. Like everyone's big thing right now is mortgage rates. And it's just like, what's going to happen a few years down the road? Right. And it's just like, is it going to stay? Like what's happening to the market? The biggest question right now is just like, what's going on? Right. And like, I don't know if you've seen it right now, but I'm starting to see it almost plateau a little bit. Right. From like everything going nuts from no one looking Mm -hmm. to purchase. And now it's just like, people are starting to go out again. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, how do you protect yourself? Can you sustain that current mortgage rate or just would you rather wait a couple of years down the road, sustain where you're living right now in your rental property, build the equity that you actually have, um, build your credit as well, and then move into a property later on in life? Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, uh, like you said, I mean, that's the biggest question right now, right? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? But I definitely have seen prices plateau. I think it's because we have such low inventory. Of course. Right? Uh, I mean, it's the end of the year as well. A lot of people are kind of... Uh, um, slowing down the real estate search. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like people are also getting used to the current rates yep. and uh, they're starting to move, right? I think, uh, I don't know if you have seen that or if you have any clients like that, mm-hmm. but I've seen a lot of investors coming out now yep. because they've kind of seen a little bit of a bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, have, have you worked with any investors lately? Absolutely. Um, the people who I'm starting to think, who I'm, who I'm working with are actually starting to see like, okay, this is starting to slow down. And it's just like, as soon as you hit its hop, as soon as you hit its height, then it's just like everything's going to break and it's going to start moving up again. 100%. It probably won't move up, move up as fast as we saw it back in February, but it will probably start going out. Like even having 30 groups through in like less than right. know, two and a half weeks now, then it's just like, okay, that shows you something. Yeah. Because like in the first week we had 11 groups through on the Sunday or the Saturday and about another like eight groups through on the Sunday. Right. That's huge from what was just happening. Right. Because a few months ago, not too long ago, we had zero groups. Right. And it was just like when, like you're basically, you went from that to now having 10 to 15 groups. Absolutely. That's a huge difference. 
Yeah, huge difference. I think, yeah, I think middle of the year there, summer, people were super scared, right? Because mm-hmm. rates were being announced. Of course. It felt like every, pretty much every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, of course, it was every few months. But uh, I think now we're probably seeing the last little bit of the increases. So probably, I don't know what you think, but my opinion is that in December now, uh, we're going to see another 0.25 mm-hmm. uh, raise. And I think it should kind of hold until 2024. Like, yep. what, what do you think is going to happen? I think we're still set to see at least another few. I yeah. think it's going to be at least another two or three mm-hmm. before anything starts to happening. And then after that, I think it's going to really start slowing down. Got um, it. And then after the slowdown happens, it's going to pick up again. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good uh, insight there. Um, I think that's it. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you want to talk about anything else? I, I think we kind of covered most of the pre-sale side of it. Sure. Uh, some of your personal opinions for the future. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I mean, if we keep going on about the market, there is one thing that I can say. Okay. Everything's slowing down right now because no one wants to move for the December market. True. I'm starting to see it. I don't know if you are. Everyone's waiting till January or February. Mm-hmm. So I truly think that like after this slows down, that spring market, I believe is going to go crazy. I don't, I'm, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing right now. A hundred percent. I think I had so many calls where I call people and they're, you know, I've been calling them for a few months. They're like, I'm going to wait for the spring. Right. Yeah. I think this, there's a lot of hype around the springtime uh, for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, like you said, I mean, if, the, if the interest rates keep going up, we might see a lot more listings. Right. Of course, yeah. And that consequence consequently will bring prices down. Yeah. But I think, you know, if they do stop the increase, uh, uh, the rate increases in December, um, then we might see a lot of buyers coming in because then they're going to get more comfortable. Right. So I think, you know, no one really knows what's going to happen in the future, but I think there's, those are the two possible scenarios. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see confidence bring back into the market. hundred well. percent. Yeah. Cause even having the ability to actually slow down. Yeah. There's not enough inventory, but there's enough that buyers can actually go out and view the right problem. Right. And it was just like, now the fact that they can actually go slow down, sit back, negotiate, and actually put the subjects back into a contract, you can actually protect yourself again. Yeah. And like, if you can sustain a mortgage right now um, of getting that pre-approval, then everything kind of makes sense. Because even if you get pre-approved right now, with the slowdown in the market, or, or like, I guess, have seen more people come through, but a lot of people haven't been writing as much. Right. So I'm, I'm seeing it from all different sides of the market right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, we've seen this, right? Uh, I mean, last year, you know, people had about a week or maybe not even, I think they had like two days to decide if they're going to write an offer. And if, Gosh. if, you know, if it was a subject free offer, great. If it's not, I mean, you're going to probably write a few more offers <laughs> because you probably won't get that place. I think now it's, it's a little bit better for buyers for sure. I remember at the height of the market, I was at a detached home just out in Langley. And it was just like, I got there at 11 o'clock. We had a line out the door. I think we probably (laughs) had over 50 groups through in a two hour span. And it was like literally just people coming in and out. That weekend, I think we probably had over 120 groups through. Wow. And we ended up getting subject free over offer. Wow. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that that kind of uh, stopped, especially because we work mostly with buyers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being young realtors, I think we're, we're building that buyer database and eventually, hopefully, they'll become sellers and use us. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> we sure hope so. Uh, but yeah, man, no, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Of course. Uh, of course, you know, our, our age group usually tends to like shorter 
uh, podcast because everyone's busy. You know, mm. TikToks are like 15 seconds long and people <laughs> already swipe. So uh, we oh try gosh. to keep it short, but we'd love to have you back, man. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'd be more than happy to come back on it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we, we will do that. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. I mean, if you, of course, if you guys like the episode, uh, follow us on Instagram. It's Relatable RE Podcast. We're also on Spotify, YouTube, anywhere, really. Uh, I don't think we're Apple Music yet. Uh, Kate is just shaking his head no here. He's just off the camera here. But uh, if you have Apple Music, man, I don't know who you are because everyone uses Spotify. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but thanks, Harrison. And um, yeah, man, do you have your social media that you want to share? Maybe people to follow you there? Of course. It's at Harrison Shirley. At Harrison Shirley. Oh, something else too. You have such a great slogan. You have, uh, is it? Surely I can sell it. <laughs> Amazing. 10 out of 10. Okay, well, follow Harrison there and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.